This episode of the Astro Powder Podcast is brought to you by Gama. Synchronized monitoring and control of your entire automated process is the core of Gama's Magic Control 4.0 data management systems. With options like line management, offering deeper insight into productivity and consumption, or energy management, allowing you to monitor and save both energy and air consumption, or batch management, offering tracking of powder used to coat production batches. Gama provides the very best in technology and connectivity for smarter factory automation. To learn more about Gama's Magic Control 4.0 data management systems, visit completeitwithgama.com. When you want to know that everything is covered, complete it with Gama. Hey, Powder Coating fans, welcome to the 14th episode of the Ask Joe Powder podcast. I'm your host, Joe Powder, and with me is my sidekick and partner in crime, Nathan. He's our Powder Coating formulator dude. Today we're doing things a little differently. Instead of Joe Powder answering your questions... We're going to flip it around and ask someone from the industry about some of the cool stuff that they're doing. Today's interview is with Chris Redding from IFS Coatings. They're an innovative powder coating manufacturer headquartered in Gainesville, Texas. Recently, IFS has developed some breakthrough powder technology for the wood market. So, we're going to be asking... Chris Redding, what's up? Take it away, Nathan. So, yeah, I mean, basically, I think we, we explained to you on the on the um, call that we had, like, our idea here is to, you know, we want to talk to a bunch of people, different people from different parts of the industry and hopefully make it interesting for anyone that listens to it. So I don't want it to be just, like, pure, like, commercial like this is a, presenting this one product but you know yeah. obviously you're you guys have interesting technology and that's definitely something we'll talk about so yeah, you can just kind of cover the full gamut really i mean uh, i mean their message for me is that uh we're we're we're, we're ready finally as an industry <laughs> yeah yeah and and we really weren't when we thought we were so i mean we spent a lot of years if you remember the 90s with the Acrylated polyesters that were launched by uh, was it UCB and um, DSM did a, a urethane system with polyester uh, and actually had a plastic you know a plastic component to it that gave it the flexibility it needed so that was nice but it was still UV and very expensive to get into yeah you know and and you know and limited right line of sight and you couldn't really do multiple layers and film thickness was limited and some colors really don't like to absorb uv and so it had some uh, fallbacks so it's still kicking around you know there, it found a home in some horizontal lines but i think uh, really the culmination though of the, 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 on the on the chemistry now with the, with the system that cures it you know in three minutes at 130c 265f um and it's flexible after cure you know we, we really came up with something and, and that part couldn't really happen until the ovens 
Evan technology came along. Right. right. Yeah. Man, we just, yeah, covering a lot of ground there. Let's uh, take a step back. So you're talking about the previous kind of approaches to doing, you know, low temperature. You got the UV, which, you know, obviously that's, that's line of sight. Right. Uh, you can do two, two dimensional parts <laughs> sure. pretty much. Yeah. But, you know, it has but it found it home, right? very yeah. low, low temperature. So you can do yeah. it on some low temperature sort of substrates. But then the other sort of um, thermoset technologies, why did, why did you say those don't really, didn't really take off? Well, you mean know, like the catalyzed hybrids and, and uh, Morton laminaire years ago. Um, you know, basically that process covers like 15 minutes of preheat basically to cook all the moisture out. Right. And so, and then about 10 minutes of cure all at around 290 to 300F. Well, this really limited the sub, limited the, the substrates you could use to, to some pretty expensive MDF. And, and those systems got better. We still offer them. But, um, you know, to get, say, the tests like uh, the Kitchen Cabinet Manufacturers Association test. Yeah, right? yeah. Requires so a lot that, of... A lot yeah. of food products, I, I understand, right? Like, Well, you just have to accommodate. You know, wood doesn't behave after it's painted. Right. It, it likes to swell and shrink with absorption and loss of moisture over time. And so you needed a, to, 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 to make a, a, a catalyzed hybrid system pass that, to my knowledge, you got to do two coats. Okay. So now we're really putting the board through hack, right? Mm-hmm. But, it, it, but with the polyester and urethane system with a, a vinyl ether component, actually, you got a very flexible finish mm-hmm. that, that blows that test out of the water. Right. But I think the chemistry wouldn't be anything, though, if it wasn't for the oven, the catalytic IR oven. Right. Right. So, yeah, how important is that? You think that, you know, and is that an absolute necessity to have the um, gas catalytic as you? You know, electric works as well. So if you look, this is uh, from a, a, a spectrophotometry to see where materials absorb energy. And the, the gas or the catalytic IR is, is, is actually emitting the wavelength from the three to four micron range, which happens to be exactly where organic materials like to absorb energy. Right. So if you look at a, a powder tech data sheet, it generally will say something like, Cure schedule is 10 minutes at 400F. Right. And they'll say metal temperature. But with this oven technology, I don't care what the, the metal temperature is or the substrate temperature because the paint itself absorbs the energy rather than waiting on the metal to heat it up. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, yeah. So you're you're matching the output of the oven to the absorption range of the actual yeah. organic material. Yeah, so it changes everything, right? So now this moisture content isn't my enemy. If I have too much, I can still get out. Gas can have too little. I have electrostatic problems. But if I'm in, say, that 5 to 7% range, right, mm-hmm. moisture, I can kind of leave it in the board and still cure the paint, right? And so I can also use pretty darn standard MDF, stuff that's like 47, 48 pounds a cubic foot of um, density, which is okay. the, the grade of MDF that the big factories are using, right? 
Right. So, okay. Um, so it's pretty, pretty simple to put it on MDF, right? Like it's pretty straightforward. You know, you say? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple nuances with the process. So this, it, it's going to look a lot like metal. We can talk about how it's different than metal, but for one thing, the pre-treatment is sanding, right? We still have to sand the wood. Yeah, of course. So we're not dealing with pretreatment chemicals, this type of thing. If you're talking about a, a absolutely non-conductive substrate, it'll do like iodine solutions, things like that, to make it electrostatically conductive. Mm-hmm. But on loading, it's just like metal. We can we can very densely load a line, so for very efficient and very good line density. Uh, preheat with what we call the FFT technology, which is the, the you know the polyesterine urethane system. Okay. Um, you know we'll preheat to get it to a good hot summer day uh, in Texas. The reason for that preheating is really to to equalize the distribution of the moisture through the bore. It takes about a minute. Okay. Uh, application side is pretty much like it is with metal. There's some nuances, but but it's it's anybody that's done metal would know how to do it with a short lesson and then curing we're about four minutes in the cure oven about a minute of ramp up and then the crossing occurs once we hit the five it's kind of a cool thing with this technology to do that the flow and, and cure mechanisms are separated much like a, a block urethane it's not the same dynamic at all but it's a reference so we can actually flow out very nicely before we start cross-linking and that addresses the smoothness issue where we've always uh, been there. So in a process, it takes about seven to 10 minutes. We fully coated a cabinet door, for instance, and, uh, and done a beautiful job on it and given it a, a coating that's uh, actually far better performance than the incumbent technologies that are out, out there. Excuse me. Right. And so that's, would you say that's the most common application for it? It would be like the kitchen cabinets or... Uh, furniture that's generally made out of MDF? Yeah, you still see, I mean, you see it there in, in Europe where this technology was first launched and, you know, with, with my previous employer, um, it really took off in cabinets. Yeah. Um, probably the largest is um, a coder that does bathroom vanities and um, uh, bathroom vanities and day beds to the tune of about 10,000 units a day. Okay. So it's it's really taken off. So yeah, Europe has is, is really embraced it. There's probably a, a good uh, you know dozen or more uh, cabinet fact cabinet shops that are doing uh, doors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, of course the the really big guy about like I said ten thousand units a day for a pretty well known furniture manufacturer. Uh, so it's done quite well. We're in baby steps here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we. Seen a, a fellow doing uh, fiberglass gun stocks. Oh yeah, worked very nicely on that. But uh, I think we'll we'll probably follow Europe on the cabinet fronts as as your first big launch because you know if you've ever seen current operations with uh, liquid paint, mm-hmm. uh, you know they're going to sand that substrate just like we will, yeah. right? Uh, then apply a primer. And they're going to run that through an oven for about 10 minutes to dry it. And then they're going to sand it again. And then they apply a lacquer coat for the, for the first opaque coat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then depending on the color, they might they might do up to four layers of that lacquer coat to get opacity. 
right? That's crazy, yeah. And, and, and sanding in between each and running through the ovens each time. And then a sealer and then sanding. Yeah. And then a clear coat. Now it's finally done. Well, we took that process and said, now it's, it's sand it, run it through a seven minute. About seven minutes, yeah. And, and cool it off and package it. So it sounds like a, you know, it sounds like a no brainer. Like, what do you think the, the reticence is or like, why would, you know, why are people slow to adapt? Um, well, there was a, I mean, they're missing, I, I think we talked about a couple of the missing pieces. We talked about the, the catalytic IR oven mm-hmm. solving a big problem for us. We talked about the cutting chemistry solving the big problem for us, right? Another aspect was on the application side, like this stuff wants to picture frame. Right. Right. And, and, and some things like the, uh, the counter electrode, um, mm-hmm. you know, this has really helped. Or in the case of a batch system or robber bar. But the missing piece now really for, for is, is, is coders, contract right. coders that, you know, since I joined IFS a little over a year ago, my whole focus has been, well, one on our process and, and, and technical development, but really on developing the market to say, when I go to OEMs and they get all excited, right? I flew one a couple of years ago all the way to Europe to a line in Slovakia to see it. And they uh-huh. were amazed, right? Yeah. And then we came back with primer, powder primer doors and ran those on his line mm-hmm. in the U.S., big, big line. Uh, and and they got that opacity in one coat, right? Right, rather than four, and they were like, "Good to go, man." Who, who's a coder that we can send this to? <laughs> right. I said, "Well, we don't have one." Yeah. I think you just visited him in Slovakia, right? Right. He says, well, well, come back to us when you got some coders. So I've been careful not to to get out and do what I enjoy doing the most and, and, and probably I'm best at, which is getting, getting all your homes excited about this <laughs> until I have some coders. Now we've, we've got, we've got one started and we've got several that are, are quite interested in, in making the investment. But, you know, for me personally, I, I wouldn't go in the business um, without uh, the, the catalytic oven, to be honest with you. I mean, there are those that have done it and done it successfully. But when you mm-hmm. see how much easier it is with that oven, I sound like an oven salesman more than a powder salesman right now. It's, it's <laughs> well, just, they're all pieces it's so that have cool. to go together, though. Yeah. yeah, well, and that's why, I mean, you know, I reached out and I've got a, a, a list of folks that, that have been committed to, to powder on MDF, powder on wood for the long haul. I should not I should stop saying MDF because we're well beyond that now. We can do stain alternatives on hardwoods. We can do fiberglass. We can do, of course, MDF, HDF. And all that. Um, there's actually a, a coder in New Zealand, a company in New Zealand that's that's powder cutting drywall. <laughs> okay. A pre, prefab house. So yeah. Um, the more we look, the bigger the market is. But so there's, there's a collaboration between those value chain players mm-hmm. on the equipment side, on the powder side, on the raw material side. Everybody has to really work together. None of us can do it our own. Yeah. And I think. That's something that that we had to learn as an industry as well. Right. And then just like on the metal coating side, if you know you've been around powder uh, as long as I have, there was a time when uh, conversions of liquid to powder and metal were just mm-hmm. going on so quickly and so rapidly because of that powerful value proposition. Uh, but it didn't happen without contract coders. Yeah. Yeah. 
and that's the that's the, that's the final piece. I'm not going to say it's the missing piece anymore because we do have early adopters that are engaging, but that's that's the critical part. But yeah, just like going from liquid to powder, it's not a drop in. You can't just like necessarily but, convert a line. It's going to be it's well, going to be a lot of moving pieces. If you look at the uh, you know the large OEM wood wood makers wood, wood product manufacturers. Um, you know, they you go into their factory, it's busy. Yeah. <laughs> and their square footage is filled up. So you can't say, okay, turn that off, decommission that, slide powder in. <laughs> right. right. So you got to have a jobber. Yeah. You got to have a jobber. Okay. And it's, uh, uh, you know, and the folks that, that are going to buy into this early, you'll see a repeat of what we saw in Europe where it just really starts taking off. Yeah, once I mean, once you do the math, it's just like it seems like it should be pretty obvious. But yeah, the math is involves really big numbers to start with. Probably. You know, but it starts. It's pretty simple though, in, in a lot of ways. I mean, well, I, you know what? You mentioned the math. So this is this is online. It's a, a company in um, I believe it's North Carolina uh, that they sell cabinet fronts. Mm-hmm. And if you want to buy an MDF flat panel door, like the one picture here, they want $15 a square foot for it. Okay. If you want it painted, they want $27. Uh, I'm sorry, this is Thermofall, this example. If you want Thermofall, they want another 12 bucks. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you look at the MDF, which is uh, uh, for for painted now, uh, this checker door, they want $14 a square foot. Right. If you want it primed, they want another eleven dollars. Mm-hmm. If you want it fully painted, they want another twenty dollars. Okay. For square foot. Yeah, geez. Right. So they're charging more for the finishing than they are for the door. Right. Because of all those coats you're talking about. Yeah, because it is a labor-intensive pain. Uh, you know, they have to deal with uh, solvent, uh, the regulations surrounding solvents and mm-hmm. VOC emissions. Um, you know, if you walk in, the place stinks. I forgot how bad paint smelled. Paint <laughs> right, yes. Color, right? There's, there's diseases that painters are getting. They call it, uh, they call it painter's disease, where uh, over time being exposed to those solvents, you know, are causing problems with brains and everything else. And you say, okay, well, I've got something with zero VOCs. Mm-hmm. It's going to go through your line one time. The finish isn't going to crack or peel ever. And it's going to cost you a whole lot less money. And you can reclaim it. and Absolutely. Yeah, all those old, you know, going from liquid to, to powder arguments. I mean, they all still yeah. stand today. Yeah, absolutely. Even when we bring new substrates into it. Yeah, so it, it's... Uh, <laughs> It really is a no-brainer, right? Yeah. All right. So you were talking there about, you know, beyond MDF. Um, so I'm curious about how you would do, like, wood, you know, hardwoods, natural woods. Because yeah. typically the problem with those is, it, you know, you hit that 100C, and especially once you go over that, then the moisture comes out, and they're not as they're not as consistent across the surface as MDF is, you know, manufactured boards in general are going to be 
um, you know, kind of homogeneous, but yeah. How, like, how does this work on natural wood? You know, you'd be surprised actually with, with, uh, like maple and oak, we, we found that even sometimes it's better off to not even do the preheat part. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the moisture distribution is, is, is for some reason a lot more equal in, in a hardwood than it is in an engineered wood. Okay. Um, I, I guess maybe it doesn't, I'm, I'm theorizing here that it, maybe it doesn't uh, travel as, as rapidly through the board. But okay. when, we're, when we're only at that surface temperature of 260 for three minutes, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a pretty gentle process. And um, yeah, the, the the hardwoods actually they cook very nicely. Yeah, the only thing where we really haven't been able to figure it out too well is uh, uh, needlewoods. I think we're going to need a lower temperature, even so, even more. Right, they're even more sensitive to I guess the outgassing, the pinholing, the yeah, yeah, sort of defects that you get from that. Absolutely, but uh, another important part is 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 really the acclimation. So this is actually from the Wood Handbook, it's called. But really to get, you know, the moisture content, it seems like 5 to 7% is, mm-hmm. is kind of the sweet spot, right? Um, some chemistries can bear a little more and are more forgiving. But really, all I have to do to do that is to, to keep the material in a constant relative humidity, sort of in this ballpark, depending on the temperature. Mm-hmm. And what will happen is with enough area of, of the surface area of the wood exposed, really, you know, a half inch thick board will will be at the target moisture content pretty much overnight. Okay. And it's and, and really maintaining relative humidity is, uh, you know, it sounds scary to somebody who's never had to deal with it, but it's super easy and super cheap. In fact, in Europe, you know, the universally, almost these guys started out with uh, a room that they would control the humidity in, uh, so the boards would acclimate. And, and they finally just figured out it's so inexpensive to do. I mean, that they just do their whole facility. Well, and also, I mean, this being a you know a low temperature curing powder, like a lot of times, it's recommended to keep the the humidity and the temperature pretty controlled with storing those as well. Is that is that an issue with this stuff? Yeah, I mean it's the same rules as any other powder with exposed to, in terms of exposure to humidity. You want to you know you want to close your bag and all that and not let it absorb uh, and get clumpy, especially if you're in a high humidity environment. But um, you know one of the one of the hurdles I guess I failed to mention was storage stability and 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 now actually with um you know the system i keep referring to we're storage stable at adf oh really yeah so and i think we've we've gone up to like six or eight months and and the stuff still flows beautifully and no problems um you know what am i going to do in the summer months shipping out of texas that's that's a question i got to (laughs) answer right but, uh, so, but, but I think we have some solutions there in terms of packaging solutions and all that. And there's always a reefer truck, but those are darn expensive. So, so we're getting creative to come up with something there. Okay. But, but that aspect's pretty good. Just kind of look at some other stuff I might not uh, share, share with you. This was on the application side, so I wanted to cover. So this is uh, 
that uniform deposition is especially a challenge with nonmetals, with fatty edges and the like. Um, if we look at something like, especially for, for a stain alternative where we'll tint a clear so that you can stain a hardwood with powder yeah. paint or create the appearance of a stain because we're not soaking into and actually staining it. Um, that uniform deposition is absolutely critical because you'll see shadowing if you don't have it, right? Oh, yeah, because just the thickness is going to yeah make things look different. Absolutely. Spots. And then, uh, you know, so, so one solution is a rubber bar. It, it, you know, if we're talking about a batch operation, we can ground a piece of metal, put it behind the target, and that, that grounded piece of metal is going to draw that, that powdered it rather than wrapping. Mm-hmm. Nice, cheap way to do it. If you've got a continuous process, the dynamic counter electrode, this is a, a device that, that's going to create a positive ion field behind the part. The powder's charged negatively going to the neutral substrate, right? But when that, when that powder, negatively charged powder hits that positive field, it just loses its charge and falls away. It just falls to the ground. Yeah. And what's really cool with this device is that you, you can, I've seen it actually where it's so precise that it looks like you taped off half of that edge, right? So there's a line. That's how <laughs> it is. Yeah. And so, is that something that can be um, adjusted then? Like you could. It sure can. Yeah. In and out. So picture, um, you know, if, if, if you do, if you put a hole in the backside of your booth and put a tribo gun in. Uh-huh. Right. That's essentially what it is. It's a little, you know, it's, it's, it's a little more engineering than that, obviously, but you know, they, they can take that bar and, and, and decide exactly where they want that ion field to be. So it, it, it's, it, it's very precise. And, it, you know, essentially the technology is kind of like a tribal in it. So, the, you know, very affordable. It's about what you'd pay for a tribal gun. And uh, then is that, um, is that stuff commonly available? Or I mean, as far as the application yeah. equipment goes? Yeah, there's a couple of the, of the spray equipment guys that, uh, do that anybody wants a referral to somebody just you know you can reach out to me yeah or uh listen to the ad break because yeah <laughs> we have a we have a sponsor that's a spray equipment are you looking for a solution to coat your most difficult products with no touch-up then gamma's dynamic contouring equipment is the right solution for you Unlike robotic coating, dynamic contouring offers greater flexibility without all the programming hassle while correctly positioning each powder gun to automatically coat your parts. For more information, call 877-437-6771. Once again, that's 877-437-6771. And be sure to mention, Ask Joe sent me. When you want to know that everything is covered, complete it with Gamma. Powder Coating Research Group is a proud sponsor of the Ask Joe Powder Podcast. PCR is the only independent laboratory dedicated to powder coating technology. We do everything from raw material evaluation, formulating the next generation of coatings, new product development, testing, troubleshooting, training, and consulting. To find out more, visit our website at powdercoatingresearch.com or you can email Kevin Biller at kevinbiller at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening to the Astro Powder Podcast.
There you go. Um, I guess one thing to talk about, because I always talk about gas rather than electric. I want to say electric does work. It is in place it, and, and people are using it effectively. Um, there's kind of a difference that I tried to illustrate here uh, that with electric, if you see these, the confines of your emitter are the mm -hmm. confines of that emission of the um, the wavelength. Right, it's very well, line of sight, like you said on the slides. Yeah, whereas with gas, we get a much wider spread of that wavelength, um, and so it's it's it, it, it it's 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 a little easier to engineer. Um, and I just kind of like to say, yeah, okay, upfront cost on electric is going to be lower. Operating costs and gas is going to be better and, and cheaper. The heat up speed on electric is really fast. Yeah. Um, both will have some degree of convection effect, but uh, gas, because of the consumption of oxygen, naturally is going to create a convection effect. So uh, some people call it softer, right, or whatever. I don't care what you call it. It just is more forgiving. Yeah. It's more forgiving. That's the other important part is that, look, look it, it, you know, when we look at the, the CO2 footprint, it really is the responsible uh, choice for, for, for nonmetal substrates today. We've got, uh, you know, the system is about a third of the CO2 footprint of other incumbent uh, technologies that are out there. Yeah, and I see um, your source DSM there. I know that they've done some really extensive kind of lifetime, you know, what would you call it? Cradle to grave? Yeah, well, I call it life cycle analysis. This is this one is not cradle to grave. This is uh, from raw material manufacturing to the finished coated part. To that, putting it on the part. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's always yeah. interesting to see the the comparison there. Yeah, it's a great actually. If you just look up uh, DSM life cycle analysis and powder paint, uh, they they. They offer this to everybody publicly free of charge. You can download it. You can use it in presentations. So DSM kind of looked at that as, service, as a service to the industry. And, you know, I, I think it was a, a pretty darn good thing to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you talked about where else could it go. Those were some ideas um, where we already see it, right? Um Drywall. I never thought I'd see that, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's done quite well. But yeah, man, it's exciting stuff, and um, I think you know, I think the future's so bright, we're gonna wear shades. So, uh, <laughs> but God bless the people who, for the past decades, have continued to bang their head against the wall and try like heck to make this happen. And, oh yeah, there have been a lot of different approaches, and it's cool seeing these actual, like, really large commercial opportunities coming up yeah um i want to ask more broadly about um you know ifs like you do they only produce powder coatings yes ifs is solely for powder coatings which i mean that's really interesting because you know the traditional model is kind of like giant paint company has they end up you know buying or creating a powder division to kind of stay in the game. But then it's, you know, it's, I don't know. It seems like if As you only do powder, then you're going to look at powder-based, you know, solutions for everything. 
this and really push the boundaries a little bit more. I, I've, I've had too many fights for that reason, right? Yeah. Uh, I think back to, you know, to working with allied suppliers in the context of the Powder Coating Institute and serving on that board. And, you know, and, and, and my entire thought process is no powder wins, period. Right? <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to talk about, you know, merging with a, 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 a trade association that does liquid. I don't want to talk about doing a trade show with them. Because there's still a lot of room for powder cuttings to grow. I think so. And I think, you know, some of those really, you know, giant companies, they compete with, you know, internally. They say, like, hey, powder guys, stay away from, you know, automotive. Like, right. you know, it, because we got a good thing going here. Yeah. Well, I guess it's right in our mission statement at IFS. We want to bring the environmentally responsible choice mm -hmm. to part to market. That's what we're all about. And you know, I, uh, you know, my background. I was in, in raw materials for for quite a long time before yeah. joining IFS. And, and and through all those years, it was always IFS that would launch every new technology I was out there to sell. And so, within the raw material community, boy, they. Gee, in my company, you know, I was a rock star because I'm, I'm launching new technologies. Well, I had a secret weapon. I had a company that was big enough to do it, small enough to get it done, and 100% to powder winning. And, yeah, willing to, that was yeah, it. to go all in on, on powder. Yeah. Well, you think about it. If you're selling liquid paint, right? And I, I just reminded of a large cabinet manufacturer that, that I visited a few years ago. And, and their, their paint is... There's a bucket of paint. Okay, just picture a bucket of paint. It's 30% solids. Mm -hmm. So 70% of that bucket is going to go off in the air, go through solvent burners, go through people's lungs, everything else, right? Mm -hmm. So that 70% is gone. Now, uh, 30%, if they're good, if they're really good, they're going to get about maybe 65% of that paint onto the pieces. Right. General transfer efficiency. Right. And so we got we got that much material from that bucket of paint that they actually pay for that is going to be used. And they're selling it <laughs> 40, 50, 60 dollars a gallon. Yep. That's a great business. Oh yeah. I, I'd be scared of powder too. <laughs> right. I'm very happy to say that beyond metal, they need to start being afraid of powder. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. And, you know, and, and everybody keeps pushing. I mean, right now we're at a place where we can do a lot of stuff, fiberglass doors, gun stocks, all these type of things. But, you know, the, the, there's there's still a, a pretty good push going to get to that 100 C mark. Mm -hmm. to get below that boiling temperature. It's been done in the lab, right? But, uh, you know, that development... God, I, I feel sorry for the liquid guys when we hit that number. <laughs> well, and that, you know, as a you know, lab guy myself, it's like we can we can make something that'll cure at, you know, as low as you want to, but we can't process it. That's you right. know, it's because it has to go through an extruder and it has to, you know, see some amount of heat before it's actually a powder. Yeah. And that's where it's that's where the limitation is like, OK, we have to melt it once and then it, you can't just turn the, the extruder into a brick. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I wish I wish th that uh, uh, I understood 
how this new chemistry works exactly. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, the IFS is smart enough not to tell me because I'm a sales guy. <laughs> right. Because right? then we don't uh, know how to do it. But, but what we've done is you know, got out of the, the paradigm where, okay, TG and flow are necessarily related. Mm-hmm. TG and cure are necessarily related. Right. Um, where, where, where we can, we can get through an extruder without a whole lot of work, right? And, and, and we're not tied to that. Uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Arrhenius is law, or we're breaking it, right? Um, so, so, and, and I kind of understand conceptually how it works, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm always about what it does, <laughs> not what it is. And, and you, it, it really is a breakthrough, yeah. But yeah, you compared it to uh, block dust cyanate, where, you know, we're familiar with that, where it's like, yeah, you can melt and flow it all day long, as long as you don't hit that particular unblocking temperature, then is when all the chemistry happens. But right. Below, right. Before, below that temperature, it's all just flowing and nice and smooth. And Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a it, I always liken it to that because I started off selling your things, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, then, you know. It's it's not that there's an inhibitor that that stops everything from happening until 130C. Okay. As soon as you hit it, there's just a, a big avalanche of reaction. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it's a neat trick, <laughs> neat trick, and uh, you know the the powders are beautiful. I just got out, you know, with our lab, you know, really faster than anybody else could do it. I think that, you know, was able to come out with a nice commercial product. We're launching cabinet white, right? Which is a, a 25 to 30 gloss white with a PCI smoothness of about six or seven, which mm-hmm. is smoother than a thermal foil. We're not, yeah. we're not quite as smooth as, as some of these very high solvent born uh, liquid paints. That's really smooth stuff, you know? And, and uh, I, I, I took, I took a, I have a cabinet front. I took around a, you know, there's, there's cabinet manufacturers everywhere. I took it to two that I know in the Houston area and both of them said, yeah, yeah, we want it. Who, who can cut it for us? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Back to that other question. I said, yeah. Well, I got a guy, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get more. So some forward thinking, uh, contract cutters are, are deeply in considerations of this now. So I, I think it's, it's going to go big, and uh, yeah, I want to round up all those guys from over the years that believed in this 20 years ago and have a toast for them when it <laughs> wouldn't be here without them, so right. So, yeah, do you have any cool uh projects on the horizon you can talk about? Like, is there anything? Um, yeah, I mean, want us to do you know these uh, these fiberglass doors that you see in multifamily housing, you see them in every house, right? Mm-hmm. Six panel uh, fiberglass doors. Um, so we're dialing in how to, how to get those through the oven, make sure we get the, the wavelength on all of it. But, you know, these guys are quite excited about it. I'm excited about that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's cabinet fronts, of course, right? And, uh, and I think it's just kind of cool to say gun stocks, powder coated fiberglass <laughs> gun. Sure, yeah. So those things are cool, and uh, you know, and, and we're we're you know, we've talked to some other folks that are are focused in the, the building and construction side, um, uh, residential housing, things like uh, you know, cladding uh, as a replacement for something like Tyvek, right? Or 
you know, there's all these possibilities and they just keep getting bigger. So, awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So yeah, if people want to find out more about it, uh, you know, yeah. about IFS, about, um, yeah, they can, they can email, you can check out our website. It's, uh, you know, ifscodings.com. Uh, we've got a section there. It kind of explains the technology. If they want to reach out to me, I look forward to conversation. They can email uh, uh, pureclad at ifscoatings.com. Awesome. I think that's all I have. Um, yeah. Unless you got anything else you want to throw out there. But. I'll tell you what. I, it, it's, it, as soon as I got it, uh, uh, next time I talk to you, I want to be doing a case study. All right, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. But, uh, thanks a lot. Uh, thanks. Uh, spread that to your dad and tell, tell everybody uh, uh, best regards on that team. So. All right, cool. Yeah, good talk to you, Chris. Yeah, Nathan. All right, but take care. All right. Later. Thank you for listening to the Astro Powder Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Gama. Gama's Optiflex Pro Manual Gun uses Power Boost technology, which gives you the industry's highest charging power at 110,000 volts and 110 microamps, allowing for faster and more efficient powder coating. We're handing you more power, more quality, and more control. For a demonstration, call 877-437-6771. Once again, that's 877 877- Four three seven six seven seven one, and be sure to mention "Ask Joe sent me." When you want to know that everything is covered, complete it with Gamma. You said something about the background, so I had to figure it out. Yeah, I had to put some dinosaurs behind me. Yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> oh my god, I I'm really bad at this. Uh... Technology stuff, apparently. You see, the thing is, I did a, I did another interview a few weeks ago, and it went really great. The whole thing was awesome. And then um, I went and, like, went to play the video back, and I had not gotten any of their audio, just mine. Oh, really? And the whole thing was just a wash. I was like, God. Do you want to test that real quickly before we start? Yeah, let's let's do that. Figure that out. I'm sure you can edit out this this, <laughs> this part. Oh yeah, yeah.